All right. Hey, good to see you. Um, and again, welcome to the people online watching. Um, I was a part of that group for the last couple of weeks. We were on vacation, and we caught it online. It was, it was uh, really good. You know, people said, how was your vacation? <laughs> Uh, uh, well, that's interesting. There's one thing, you know, we're going to wrap up our series called Serve today. If there's one thing that was impressed on me at another level uh, during this uh, last vacation was how you serve one another by praying. Don't take that too lightly, you know, and, and uh, it's a powerful thing the way you guys, you know, so many of you have said to me, well, how'd it go? How you doing? How's your grandchild? So the story, uh, real quick, and it, uh, so we had this great vacation. You ever have a great vacation planned? You know, I got, I got grown kids. They're married. My son and daughter-in-law, they're going to fly in from New York. Well, we got, we got two cabins up on a lake in northern Michigan. We'll be going for years. A great family time, you know. My other, my daughter, son-in-law, and two grandkids. It sounds like an ideal kind of thing, right? Well, two days before we're, we're going to travel up, my one child calls and says, hey, hey, by the way, we all got COVID up here at the cabin, so it's a good thing you're in another cabin. We'll just stay away from each other. And so mom and I get to drop meals off to their house all week. I called my son and said, uh, hey, by the way, you know, uh, family's got COVID over there. He said, well, we're opting out. We're going to Cancun, man. We're not going to Michigan. So they left and traveled to Cancun for a week. And uh, so we get up there, and it's like, wow. So that's kind of vacation. And, uh, and they're better. They're doing great. And then just when they started to recover, from, they did their whole COVID thing up at the cabin. And just they're coming up. My granddaughter starts throwing up and say, hey, kids throw up all the time. Well, not like every other hour for a couple of days. You know, and so you go, okay, what in the world? So they're in the North Woods. You know, I love Michigan, but you don't want to be really sick in Northern Michigan. <laughs> the healthcare, no slam. But uh, anyway, so they come back home, long story short, end up at Akron Children's Hospital. It's a good thing because my granddaughter had a ruptured appendix. The surgeon said, probably been two days and by God's grace, um, they're all alive and healthy. <laughs> and so, um, and so many of you are going, man, we were praying, man, we were praying. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, we, we, we did. So was it a restful vacation? <laughs> How do you answer that? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Yes, I had some good rest and hey, this is life. Amen. So, all right. So we're going to wrap it up today. Let's wrap up our series um, on serving. We've been looking at the unique way that true Christians, children of God, reconciled to God, the unique way that, that they identify as servants of Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote and said, this is how I want you guys to see us. What are you about, Paul? What are you doing? What, what's the deal? I want you to regard us as servants of Christ. We have seen through this series that, that uh, as believers, true believers in Christ, we have been gifted to serve others. We have been called by Christ to serve others. And this only happens when we, are, uh, we do it with the strength that God supplies, with the love that Christ supplies and the abilities that he gives us. See, we love because he first loved us. 
See, the only way that you can, that love inspires everything you do, like we talk about our mission statement, is if God, through the Holy Spirit, who lives in every believer, pours out His love into our hearts, and then that flows out in the lives of other people. So we're really called up into something supernatural and something pretty amazing when we say, well, we're servants of Christ. And as Josh said over the last couple of weeks, man, I took notes, love to hear him preach. And uh, as a church, he says, we are at our best when each person serves. So, man, when you take every believer responding to the call of God through the supernatural ability of God and giving their lives away, um, whoa, it, it, it's just stunning to think about what God could do and what could, how that could happen. So today what I want to do is I want to conclude this series with a special word for the veterans. For the veterans. Um, I want to talk today to those who have responded to the call to serve. You have been servants. You hear the series, you go, yep, yep, it's a great encouragement and a reminder and a strength. You have been serving. You've been in the game long enough to know um, some serious discouragement. You've been in the game long enough and serving to know weariness, the confusion, the rejection, the failure, the burnout, and the pain. You know, you've been in the game long enough to know, you know, when I first went to this service, this is great. Hey, man, wow, we get to serve Jesus. Let's go. Woo! And you kind of smile and say, yeah, you know, we, we, we were there, and we hit the wall, and head spinning, and maybe I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you that are battle-worn, that maybe you're on the verge of quitting, or maybe you've already tapped out for a season. See, veteran servants, when they run out of gas, when they tap out, they have real spiritual ways of doing it. And, and so I want to talk to us, I want to talk to the veteran servants about how to serve with joy for a lifetime. How do you come to the end of the race and you meet Jesus and you want to hear these words? Veteran servants, you want to meet Jesus and hear these words, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. That's it. I want to talk to you. Three things. First of all is um, you have to prioritize your spiritual health. You have to prioritize your spiritual health. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 is on page 816. If you want a Bible in the rack that's in front of you at home, just pull it up and do whatever. But we're on Matthew chapter 11. This is a passage of Scripture that over the years in ministry I have come back to time and time and time again, and I continue to learn. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 uh, to 30. It's Jesus invitation to his servants. And he says to this, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble or lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. 
So if we're going to be servants of Jesus, he has to teach us and we have to learn how to take on his yoke and his burden. It is easy and it is light. And I don't know about you, but I've spent many times going, okay, God, there's something I don't understand about being a servant because the call that I feel is not what I would call easy and light. It is crushing and life-stealing. So we need to learn from Jesus. Servants are always coming to Jesus, and they're saying, okay, Jesus, I need to learn about the easy yoke and the light burden. I need to find rest for my soul. So if you don't do this on a regular basis, you will never finish the race. Serving burnout is just a matter of time. So prioritizing your spiritual health means you pay attention to your soul care. Jesus says, come to me if you want rest for your soul. You got to pay attention to your soul care. There's an interesting exchange that Jesus has with two very committed servants of his in Luke chapter 10. It's two uh, sisters that Jesus is very close with, Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus comes to town, and so they're going to spread it for him, and these two sisters are going to serve Jesus. Martha is getting everything ready. She is serving. Mary's sitting and listening to Jesus, and Martha gets upset. And Martha uh, says to Jesus, she was distracted. Martha was distracted by much serving. And her sister was sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. So Martha goes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, do you not care that my sister's loafing and has left me to serve alone? The loafing part I threw in there. Tell her to help me. So Martha's going, I'm serving. I'm trying to get all this stuff together. And she, Jesus, tell her to help me. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Here's the point. The point is that you've got to prioritize time with Jesus. Jesus is not saying, okay, let's cut out all the serving. No, 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 no. He calls us to serve. But he's saying this, listen, if you don't prioritize time alone with Jesus, sitting with him, soaking in his word, listening to him, and asking Jesus to teach you, about the easy yoke and the light burden. If you don't spend time with him taking care of your soul and ask Jesus, say, look, Jesus, here's my soul. you got to care for my soul. If you don't prioritize in your life as a servant your own soul care and your spiritual health, you, you're, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. In the news, always been in the news periodically, it's some celebrity Christian, right, that blows up or something happens or, you know, what in the world is going on? Gifted Christians, gifted Christians, right? Powerfully used Christians, singers, speakers, and you go, how does this happen? Well, they neglect the spiritual health. They're much serving, and God powerfully uses it, but they neglect the care of their soul. Peter knew the dangers of these things. 
Peter, remember, he, he, he was high on, hey, let's get involved, let's grab a sword, let's make some, something happen. Peter was high on that end, and then Peter was also high on the end of crashing and burning. And so it, it, it's some phrases in 1 Peter I think are really powerful because Peter says, listen, it's, it's important for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to, listen how he describes Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So it's important that if you're a servant for the long haul, you have to regularly bring your soul to your shepherd and the overseer of your soul and say, you've got to care for my heart. You have to care for me. You've got to teach me. You've got to bring comfort and encouragement and some kind of sanity to this. Later in 1 Peter in chapter 4, he brings it up again, and he specifically talks to those who are being persecuted. That'll mess with you. Are you a servant of Christ? Well, yeah, it's a nice idea uh, over here, but what if being a servant of Christ means I'm in jail or I'm persecuted? He says, therefore, let those who suffer, this is 1 Peter 4, 19, let those who suffer according to God's will, watch, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. See, as we're called to serve, we got to prioritize and make sure we're regularly entrusting our souls to Jesus who said, come to me, you weary heavy, and learn from me about the easy yoke and the light burden, and I will care for you. This summer, for me, personally marks 40 years. I realize this. This summer, 40 years ago, when I entered full-time ministry, all in, all in for 40 years. I will tell you that I would not be here today And I won't be here tomorrow <laughs> unless I regularly carve out and take time to take my soul to my shepherd and the overseer of my soul and my faithful creator and say, you gotta, you gotta nurture me, man. You gotta heal me. You got to teach me. I need to learn the easy yoke and the light burden, and I want to know rest for my soul. Um, you got to prioritize your spiritual health, your soul care. What it also means is you got to look at and evaluate your church involvement. I've seen this happen over the years. I grew up in church where people come to Jesus, they get all excited, I'm going to be serving, and they dive in. And um, you, 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 your spiritual health, you've got to evaluate your church involvement. Here's what I mean. You need a steady, uh, you need a healthy diet of different, like, food groups, right? You need a healthy diet of church involvement. Here's what I mean. Three things are really important. One is corporate worship and teaching. What you're sitting in right now is essential for your spiritual health, Right? The Bible talks about this. The other thing, though, you need to be a part of is relationships in community or groups or 
Christian friends that you regularly are engaged with. The Bible talks about all the one another's, encouraging one another, praying for one another, admonishing one another. And this is really, really important. So we have lots of grace groups and, and these things and, and facilitate. Do you have a group of people who you're connected with that you're tying in with? Right, you got to have that as part of your diet. And then next is serving. It's not all just sitting in a worship service, hanging around with your friends, and then that, that's it. No, 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 no. You're giving, you're, you're serving. So you have to be involved in these three different, you know, aspects in your life to, to really be healthy and to stay healthy. Now, what people will, will, can do when they think about that is they go, wait a second, Dan. And, and this, is, this is a funny mentality that we have sometimes. They'll say, well, wait a second, Dan church is only open for two hours on Sunday morning here at Grace, and so you're telling me I need to be engaged in three things, corporate worship and groups and community and serving, so, so but, but church is only open for two hours on Sunday morning. How can I do three things in two hours? And, and you go, look, you, you got to get a lot more creative about, about your spiritual health of that. It, there's a lot of people here that are engaged in three things in two hours all the time. They serve in the parking lot or the cafe or do things. I can look around here, and, and, and this morning I can point to another people who are engaged in three things in two hours. They're here in the worship service, they're, they're, they're out serving, and then they're in, in their grace group. There's ways that people go make. Maybe you don't go to your grace group every single week. Maybe you don't serve every single week. Maybe you don't, you know, corporate work. You, you just think, and also, here's the thing. It's not that you could only do these three things on two hours on Sunday morning. There's a lot of our groups, our relationships that are, that are forming and meeting outside of Sunday morning. And other ways that people are serving outside of Sunday morning on these hours. So for you to think through and go, wait a second, is, is there a healthy church involvement in my life? Am I on a regular basis involved in corporate worship and teaching? Do I have regular connections with people relationally in the church? And am I engaged on a regular basis in serving? Kind of a healthy round-out diet. The people that I've seen in the long haul... They, they maintain this, this healthy church involvement. You've got to prioritize your church, your, your spiritual health. Um, it reminds me, um, it's like on an airplane. Now, I used to travel a whole lot ever since COVID. Not so much, right? But uh, every time you're on an airplane, they, they run through the whole deal at the beginning about the seatbelts and all that. And then they usually, they, they say, okay, if the, if the air pressure in the cabin um, drops, then there will be masks that fall from the ceiling. And so they're oxygen masks. And what they instruct you, remember what they instruct you to do if you've flown? They always say this, look, if you're traveling, you're a parent and you're traveling with a child, when the air pressure goes down and the masks fall down, whose mask are you supposed to put on first? Not the child, the adult. They tell you, they say, look, put your mask on first so that you can help the people that you're with. People will often, I've seen it in church over the years, they will run out of air serving because they don't prioritize their own spiritual health. Second, remember that God is with you. If you're going to serve for a lifetime with joy, you've got to remember that God is with you. 
So what's the church supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be about? What's the mission of the church? Do we make this up on our own? Or is Jesus uh, giving it to us? Well, Jesus gives us this commission, the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, churches are supposed to be about what? Making disciples... You know, go, Jesus says this. It, it's amazing. You know, you, you get served. All right, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I want to serve him. Jesus says, all right, here's what we do. We make disciples. Go and make disciples of the nations. <laughs> okay. And then you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he's not done. And then you're going to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. Really? I like to serve you, Jesus. What's our assignment? Here it is. How in the world? That is the most daunting, intimidating, overwhelming call unless, unless you hang on to the very last phrase of the Great Commission, and it is this. And he says, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the game changer for servants. Never forget it. Never forget it. I, I will tell you, as young in the ministry, whatever, I'm all about, man, we got to make disciples of the nations and, and teach them and baptize them, and here we, here we go. You know, that was a main focus over the years as it's gone by. And any servant, as you go along and become a servant veteran, that last phrase becomes more and more dear to you. And I am with you always. Why is it so important not to forget that? A couple reasons. One is if you don't, if, if you don't remember that God is with you, you're going to lose your joy in serving. There's the joy of working together. Jesus says, I'm not just sending you on the assignment. We're doing this together. And there's a joy of doing and serving, being a servant of Christ with Christ. <laughs> it, it, you can't lose this. A guy named John Hinley is a pastor in the UK, you know, so a little different. Uh, he wrote a book called Serving Without Sinking, and in the book, he, uh, he tells the story about building a sandbox with his two-year-old daughter. So um, he's going to build a sandbox, all excited. Well, she wakes up from her nap and comes out, and she says, Daddy, this looks like fun, and wants to help him build the sandbox. He says, well, it took a little longer to build than I anticipated, but it was much more fun. Daisy, his daughter, had a great time, and so did I. I loved working with my child. It wasn't efficient, but we laughed a lot, and we enjoyed each other. And then this pastor takes that experience with his daughter in the sandbox, and he says this, we get to work with our Heavenly Father. Not because He needs our help. Daisy didn't need His help. Listen, God doesn't need you to get the Great Commission accomplished. He doesn't need me. Not that he needed her help, but because he enjoys our company. He invites us up into this. He gives us the privilege, Jesus does, of being part of what he is up to. He helps us and gives us the Holy Spirit and covers our mistakes and our sins. He loves us working with him because he loves us. 
you hear this joy of working together. You hear this reality and never forgetting that that it's God who is with us in what we do and what we serve. You hear it in the Apostle Paul. We're in from prison. He's got scars all over him. He's been beat up who knows how many times by the time he writes to the church in Philippi. He writes to them, and there's issues going on in the church, and all these things. In Philippians 4, 4, Apostle Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord. There there were some people fighting in the church, and he's trying to get them, Look, you guys get together, man. And he says, Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I'm going to say it, Rejoice. Read in the Old Testament, Nehemiah. Nehemiah is is leading this incredible project of rebuilding the walls of the city. He's facing lousy attitudes. He's facing serious opposition. He's facing threats on his life. He's facing government shutting him down. Nehemiah is called to build the wall. And in the middle of it, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen to Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. Habakkuk goes, God, what are you doing with your people? What are you doing with the nation? What's happening? And God told him, hey, here's what's going to happen, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, and, and Habakkuk is overwhelmed with what his ministry life faced as he looked into the future and what the nation faced as they looked into the future. And here's Habakkuk's response as a servant. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Look, for an agricultural community, an agricultural nation, run on agriculture, this is a total collapse of the economy. And Habakkuk says, though all of that happens, listen, 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 yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Remember that God is with you. You can't forget that or you lose your joy. It's the joy of working together. Here's the other thing. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, learn from me, you got to understand that you have to rest in the work of God. Here's what I mean. God calls us into doing church and the Great Commission and calls you to serve in a number of capacities in your family, life, marriage, in the community, whatever it is he calls you to serve. you got to understand that he's the one that's getting things done. You have to rest in the work of God. Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church. He says in Acts chapter 2, as the church expands and grows, you read through the book of Acts carefully. It says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's not us going out and saving some people. No, it's us going out and serving them with the gospel, and the Lord saves them. The Lord convicts them. The Holy Spirit brings them to himself. 
Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, you'll stay up all night eating the bread of anxious toil. And see, in ministry that can happen, and Jesus says, no, you got to come to me and listen, and I want to I learn so that you rest. I'm the one that's doing this. Ecclesiastes 3, I've quoted it in my mind and heart so many times. I know that everything God does endures forever. Nothing is added to it. Nothing's taken away from it. God does this so we would fear him and honor him and go, wow, you're God and I'm not. And if anything's going to happen, it's going to be you. Mark Buchanan uh, written a great book on Sabbath rest. In it, he, it's called The Rest of God. In it, he says this about to servants, people working hard for Jesus. The worst hallucination busyness conjures is the conviction that I am God. It all depends on me. How will the right things happen at the right time if I'm not pushing and pulling and watching and worrying? Rest, he says, real Sabbath rest, the kind that empties us and fills us, depends on complete confidence, trust, and conviction that God is sovereign and he is good. And then he goes on to say this, there's no rest for those who don't believe that. If God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, then you can relax. If he doesn't, you better start worrying. If God can take any mess, any mishap, any wastage, any wreckage, anything, and choreograph beauty and meaning from it, then you can take a day off. If he can't, then you better get busy. Either God's always at work watching the city, building the house, or you need to try harder. Either God is good and in control, or it all depends on you. You've got to remember all the time, okay, God is with me. There's a verse, Isaiah 41.10, I've been running through my head time and time and time and meditating on a lot. Isaiah 41, 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, if that's not reality and that's not true, there's no rest for our soul as servants. So you got to remember that God is with you. The joy of that and the rest for our souls. All right, last thing, briefly. So prioritize your spiritual health. Remember that God is with you. And finally, you got to clarify your definition of success. Servants, ministry servants have to Clarify your definition of success. It's so tempting to measure successful serving by the wrong metrics. It becomes the size of the crowd, the dollars raised, the people who applaud you and thank you and respect you and say they can't live life without you. If you measure success by that, you're a setup. You're a setup for a crushing blow. 
Because what if you don't see those desired results? What if you don't hear the applause of people? What if your service is not met by any kind of recognition, but in fact rejection? What if you face persecution? What if you go, I want to tell you about the amazing things of Jesus Christ. They go, that's nice. I'm going to cut off your head. See, God's metrics for success are very different than ours. And you'll become very discouraged as a servant unless you've got his metrics. And God defines success in terms of this, your faithfulness, your faithfulness. 1 Peter 4.10, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. So it isn't a matter of what happens as a result of your giftedness and service. All kinds of different results happen, but God measures the faithfulness as, as he is, you have received a gift from God and he has blessed you with his grace. Do you steward that? Do you faithfully serve and pass it on? Like Paul says, do you, I, I faithfully pull on my oar. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, that's where it's required as stewards that they be found faithful. Paul says, you know, it's not, not about all the churches I planted, ups and downs and all those things. It's I faithfully pulled on my oar. Success is faithfully stewarding what God has given you. We've seen in the series throughout the, throughout the month that believers are given a variety of gifts and talents and resources and opportunities. And do we steward them to the glory of God. Hearing at the end of our lives, well done, good and faithful servants. At the end of Paul's life, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. Paul says, it's required of stewards that they be found faithful. I was given an oar to pull, and I pulled it. And we do all this then, success is faithfulness to the glory of God, for God's glory. And I wrap it up as Peter wrapped up his conversation and his challenge about people serving. And First Peter chapter 4, listen to verses 10 and 11. And it says this, Peter says this, Now, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. First three weeks of our series, we're pushing into that. Listen, God's gifted us to serve one another, be good stewards of his very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We talked about that. In order that, where's all this culminating? In order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And Peter got carried away, and he says, amen, forever and ever, amen. Peter says, listen, you got to understand, it's, it's, it's faithfully stewarding all God's given us. It's for his glory. It's for his sake. And that's why Paul, even when he says, I am content for Christ's sake, though he, in his weakness and his insults and his calamities and persecution, there was all kinds of ways that Paul was not seeing any ministry success. And he says, I'm content because I'm doing this for the sake of Christ for his glory. So, as I close, um, you ever wonder how ministry veterans do it? 
You watch over the years in church, and I've watched over the years of people, and it's, how do they do it? Well, you study, I didn't, you study, I stu, I've studied, study deeply the life of Paul and Moses and Jeremiah and see how they kept going, how they endured with joy. And watch the people here at Grace. <laughs> I mean, the pure joy workers, these people are amazing. Pure joy, I mean, these guys, these guys are it's amazing. Watch them. The grace group lead. We have grace group leaders. For years, have been so much a part of pulling people together and let's teach, and we, we're going to shepherd one another. And the grace group leaders, for years, watch them around the grace. How do they keep going? Children's workers, people involved in children's ministry for years, youth ministries, cafes, greeters, whatever, parking lot guys, parking lot. Um, yesterday, we had a funeral here. Gary Wallace passed away. And so many ways in which he quietly served around here. And one of the things that they brought up was that he's been a guy out in the parking lot greeting people since the 1980s. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. How about our missionaries? Watching our missionaries who serve over the long haul. Look at the veteran servants in the Scripture, people that you see around. And I think if you listen to them closely— I think if you hear them carefully and you say, how do you keep going with joy and faithfulness? I think what you'll hear them say is, look, you've got to prioritize your spiritual health. You've got to make sure you're taking your soul to Jesus regularly and say, you've got to care for me. You've got to strengthen me. You've got to give me hope. And you've got to remember that God's with you. I'm not on this thing alone. Man, no way. God initiates this. He does this. And I have the joy of being invited up into what he's doing in this world. And it's, I do it with him. He is with me. And then you've got to clarify your definition of success. The American mindset and even in church, and how they do their metrics is so screwed up. And so, are you a faithful servant? There's a handout I want you to get on your way out, or if you haven't picked one up already, it's called Serving a Grace. This is a practical way in which you can go, all right, guys, move to my heart. I want to make sure I'm serving and connected, or maybe you are serving and want to look at some other options or other things or whatever. Um, this is just a tangible handout that please take one that will be on the tables on, on the way out of people you can contact here at Grace in the different areas of which they serve for you to get involved and say, try this out. I will tell you that on September 19th in the circle, isn't it great, the stuff that they're remodeling out there, we'll officially launch Grace Connect. We've been working on this a long time and want to see this really develop. Just a central place where people can go and say, look, I need to get connected in a group. I need to get connected in servant. I need to get connected in some of these things, and they can help you uh, facilitate um, these things. I'd like us to close us in prayer. If you're watching online, please uh, join, stick with us here and uh, as, as, as we pray and we wrap this thing up, all right? Jesus, uh, uh, thank you so much for intervening in our lives and for saving us, inviting us up into uh, what you're doing in the world. 
And um, it's, it's stunning that we get to be your servants. If you're a believer sitting here this morning, will you commit yourself again to being a faithful servant? Will you say, God, show me, and I want to continue to steward what you have so graciously given me? As a believer, will you commit yourself afresh to this? And, and maybe there's an aspect of what we said today to remind yourself that God's with you, redo your definite success, and prioritize your spiritual health. Commit yourself to that. If you're, if you're not a believer this morning and you're listening online or you're here in the, in the room, man, I, the, the best way I could serve you today is, is to point you to Jesus Christ who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and he was there with you in mind, your sins, paying for your sins so that he could reconcile you to God. You can really be forgiven if you turn from your sin and you embrace Jesus Christ by faith and say, wow, he's there for me. He's there to save me. I want Jesus to be the one who forgives me of my sin and reconcile to God. And then you get called up into an incredibly adventurous and meaningful life of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can pray that right now. God, I turn from my sin. I embrace Jesus Christ as my Savior. Make me yours. Birth new life in me. Father, thank you <laughs> that you are real. And this is the most important stuff going on in the universe, despite what we hear on the news. In Jesus' name, amen.